You're listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink as usual and I know lots of people listen to this podcast at different times and way past the actual date that we we actually record it but today is Valentine's Day. Even Happy if you're, Valentine's. Yeah, even if you, you know, you're tuning in later but to, uh, live now it's uh, Valentine's Day. Will you be my Valentine Ollie? I'm, I'm not even sure how to respond to that. Only, <laughs> only if you can produce a cocktail. Okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> Um, I got a card this morning, did you? I did. Did you? Two. From one of your children. <laughs> one from my tortoise. Of course, and Flash. Well done, Flash. 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 Yes. I didn't know Flash could write. She, yeah, yeah. She, oh. she, 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 at 100, you've learned a lot. Yeah. Oh, I, bet, I bet she does, yeah. Um, and um, so I'm joined by Ollie Lloyd, obviously, of Great British Chefs. Holly Shackleton, um, Speciality Food Magazine. Hello. Valentine's Day card this morning. Um, I always get two. Do you? But every one occasion, for your no, I get. I always get two from my boyfriend because he always gets one which is relevant, and one which is just a random one that he thought was really funny. Not so, very romantic, though. He's not. Uh, not very funny one. I mean, there. I don't know. It's his his humour. So it's, yeah, got to appreciate it really. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm not a big fan of of going out on a Valentine's night. I tend you get ripped off so badly. Don't you think? Do you know they say that um, in restaurants that waiters have sweepstakes on which couple is going to break up over the course of the evening. Really? <laughs> don't yeah, they do that? Like, Seriously? I mean, because yes, yeah, so, you know, you turn up in a restaurant. And it's got to be romantic. It's got to be special. It's, There's you know, pressure. The pressure's so there. Pressure. And also, you know, it's like you're sitting in a restaurant. It's like, is that table having more fun than us? Are we having more fun than them? Are they, you know, like, and it's just it's just rubbish. And literally waiters have um, sweepstakes right. on. It's like, it's table three. It's, ta- it's table five. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't even remember the last time I went on a Valentine's No, me neither. Yeah. I, I just, um, are you going to cook then tonight? Yeah, so I mean, I, I generally my wife and I split the courses, so um, there's sort of a discussion beforehand, and yeah, we we cook something. Do you buy her flowers? You should do. I don't normally buy her flowers, but no. maybe Sue, that's what I should go and do now. Or chocolate or cheese, knowing you. Chocolate or cheese, or, or just just <laughs> nick a bottle of spirits from this this fine gentleman opposite me and say I bought it. Well, that's, that's a very good segue, isn't it? So we're we're joined by Paul McFadgen yes. of uh, Maison Fronde Distillery. Hi there, thanks for having me on. That's all right. It's good for um, it's good for Valentine's Day, isn't it? Eh? I guarantee to get you in the mood. I'll tell you that much. Oh my god, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> a mood. She's, Sue has gone red. <laughs> Thank you for that, Ollie. Uh, well, moving swiftly on, um, just tell us before we talk about cocktails a little bit about Maison Front. It's uh, French. It's a French, it's a fascinating little company. It's a 400-year-old French cognac house, so steeped in history. And uh, we're the largest company that own our own vines and go right the way through to the bottling of cognac now. So oh, the yeah. generational expertise that's handed down is is absolutely amazing. And what's the difference between brandy and cognac? Well, all cognac is brandy, not all brandy is cognac, in that cognac is a region, of a brandy-producing region, famed for for the best part of four centuries now for making the finest. And so, as with most French AOCs, there's a very detailed set of rules and regulations and there are no more detailed spirit regulations in any category than there are in cognac. cognac. Everything from the width the vines have to be apart to every aspect of fermentation and distillation is very tightly controlled. And um, But the real expertise for cognac has to do with ageing, of Mm. course. So we have barrels in our warehouse... We're specifically in an area within the area of cognac called Grand Champagne, 
area that's acknowledged as being producing the finest, absolutely the finest grapes. It's grapes with such a high level of acidity, they stand up to enormous aging. And so we've got barrels in our warehouses that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Wow. And in a generational business like ours, it's the grandchildren that are blending and bottling products that their grandfather did. And Incredible. It's impossible not to get caught up in the romance of that. Are you, are you a brandy man? Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I, like, I like, you know, I mean, I like that kind of spirit. Also like a bit of an armagnac as well. Yeah. And and again, what's the difference between an arm? Is, is it just an armagnac of brandy as well? Or? Regulations. I think the best um, illustration that anyone ever gave me about a difference between brandy and armagnac is that brandy is, is akin to silk. Right. There's a, there's a silky um, aspect to it. Whereas armagnac is a lot more like velvet. Very soft and smooth in one direction, but there's an underlying roughness to it that... Um, Roughness in, in terms like you, of you. <laughs> yeah. You just described Ollie there. There's a, there's a certain roughness to yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, it is. Take rough off. edges is the interesting part of people. Yeah, yeah uh, for me, Armagnac, um, I just has. A, uh, oh, I suppose it's difficult because you've got loads of different types and ages, but it's got a great amount of character to me, Armagnac. It has. Yeah. And it, as you say, it's that velvet, but, it, but, it, but it's, it's slightly more. Real. We're linking into your other point. It's the, the rough edges. That mm. it's the impurities in spirit that give you the flavour. Pure alcohol is absolutely neutral, odourless, flavourless, as the American FDA calls vodka. Yeah. But um, Armagnac's only once distilled, and so it still carries lots of those impurities, lot of the organoleptic qualities you get from the fields. And so you yeah. can taste the grapes, you can taste the soil, you can taste the sunshine. Organoleptic. Now that really is a Scrabble word. So that's, if you're, that's right, not uh, bad. You know, I'm not I don't sure think I the board's big it. enough. Actually, if, you, if, you, if you're <laughs> thinking about you know a sort of Valentine's game of Scrabble <laughs> afterwards, you know there it is. There, there, there it is. That's the word for the day. <laughs> You've also got um, quite a lot of different types of brands, not just the brandy. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I presume that they they branched out a long time ago. What what, what other things do you do? Yeah. So, um, what we do is we take the cognac making expertise and we apply it to other spirits areas. One of the conditions for making cognac itself is you're only allowed to make the wine while uh, make the cognac while the wine is fresh. You're not allowed to any preservatives, no sulfites. And so, on first uh, of October to thirty first of March after your harvest. Um, you've, on the 31st of March, you've got to stop distilling, distilling and spirit production. So we've got six months of the year, we've got these wonderful old Charente cognac pot stills that most people in the area sit silent. We actually reopen those stills, and um, for six months of the year, we produce Citadel Gin. It's an old-school French gin that's uh, produced in the cognac pot stills to a very old recipe um, that carries sort of cognac connotations in terms of its depth and characteristic while being a just a wonderful sort of citrusy juniper vodka. Well, I've learned something there. I didn't realise you, you had to do it in a particular time yeah. scale. Well, really? distilling sulphites is dangerous, isn't it? It's why most of your stills are copper because mm. at that heat, the copper reacts, takes the sulphites out and you get copper sulphate. Um, that's why an awful lot of vo uh, vodka brands or gin brands will talk about copper because it's, it's uh, there's the sort of a the spiritual best. aspect to it mm. in, in production. And so you've got you've got a cognac, um, uh, you've uh, got some liqueurs, um, so and you've brought some with you. So I'm looking. So Holly's sitting opposite me because uh, I don't. Then I don't Position have to look A1 at, for the cocktail. Well, then I don't have to look, at, <laughs> don't have to look Ollie in the eye. So he's he's to my left, and then just beyond um, Holly, which I think the first time I've ever done in the studio. We put a table in the studio. It's not much room. Um, and you've bought some bottles and you've set up a little bar there so can I you have. just talk me through the bottles that you've bought with you and they're all from they're all from your they're house they're all from our house well, there's a couple that yeah. aren't actually but um, what I've brought my first true love is um, rum 
Right. I, um, I'm involved in a little rum bar up in Notting Hill in West London and uh, we've got 220 rums on a back bar and a lot of what I do is travel around the world talking to people about the rum category. Well, how just, awful for you. I know, it really is, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, as you can see, I haven't been to the Caribbean recently as my p pasty complexion will give away. But I spend quite a lot of time selling the notion of rum because it's, it's quite a fascinating spirit mm. category. It's not so, more than just a liquid, it's a lifestyle. And a, we yeah. had a nice um, lady on um, who made a, a, a three, is it three barrels or a burnt shed rum. There was something about right. a shed burning barn. Burn, burning barn. Burning oh, barn. Oh, I remembered. And she's got smoked rum, which is yeah, lovely. Really okay. nice. I'm going to put you in touch with her. Produced where is it? Where is it produced? Suffolk. South. Somewhere. Oh, tropical Suffolk. Was it South? Yeah. South no, Suffolk? not Suffolk, that's me. Um... Well, there we go. We, we, I don't know. Somewhere. Gamble we'll the nest, anyway. Um, but I'll put you in touch. Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, so we make the plantation range of rums. So ah. we, we own, the, the, the Cognac House owns the largest distillery in Barbados and two in Jamaica. And uh, so we, we, we do a lot of work with Bayesian and Jamaican rums. It's a real sort of former British colonies and there's a real characteristic to those. But we buy oh, rums from And what's the, what's the basis of rum? We've also so got a lot of sugar, sugar yeah. just mostly sugar cane. So sugar. Um, and, and I didn't realise, I, I went to a rum tasting once and I didn't realise that the range of taste for rum was yep. astounding. Whereas we, we sort of think, oh, well, there's Bacardi and there's, there's Old Navy rum and, then, yep. and somehow there's like yeah. a white one and a dark one. You couldn't, never true word said. Um, and that's part of my job that if you go, go to a common or garden boozo, it's Bacardi and Captain Morgan might be yeah. considered that there's some total of the rum category. We're in actual fact. It's the most diverse of all spirit categories by a massive mm. factor. And it's an area that's really, you know, I mean, look, we've, we've obviously had the gin and tonic revolution mm -hmm. and that continues and there's obviously yep. more and more gins. And, you know, but actually I think one of the really interesting things is the, the potential for rum of in course. this country because we're really underdeveloped. Rum's got huge sales though um, and because it's, it's, a, it's a very key cocktail ingredient. And 100%. I think a lot of the sales for, from for rum, uh, uh, you know, through the cocktails. It's a great base, isn't it, for cocktails? It is, you're right. I mean, but, it's, but, but, the, but as you say, the predominant sales of rum in the kind of, you know, general places are the low-end ones, mm. whereas gin has done an amazing job of, yeah. of, of Premiumizing. the premium category. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that's what I think we talked to the yeah. lady from Burning Vine about, is that that hasn't happened with rum. So we've got rum. What else have you got on my little table over there? Well, I've got some um, modifiers to try and make the cocktails a little bit more interesting. Uh, the, the brief, of course, was Valentine cocktails, and, and I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, my heart sank. I, I, this is my 22nd year in the industry. The notion of Valentine's cocktails um, You've done has, it been, before. has been flogged to death. And mm. it usually what are you means saying about us and our radio show here? I, I, no, I said that I've, in respect of you and your radio show, okay. I've come in with some very classic cocktails that Good. I think you drink the year round, okay. rather than a frou-frou, white, fluffy cocktails. People, with, people with still innovate hearts. around the landscape as a painting genre, so it's just, it's just, it's just a brief. It's a challenge. It's just not I like brief. it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I've taken it very well. Okay, so I'll, I'll um, skate over that. Um, so, so what else have we got there? Uh, you said modifier. What do you mean by that that term? So, basic cocktail formulas are usually a base spirit. Understanding that you might sweeten it sour it and so there's an awful awful large number of sweet ingredients from liqueurs to sugar itself um souring agents typically lemon lime grapefruit to a degree but then you've got a whole family of modifiers things that add depth these these are the aspects to go back to your painting parlance that um the shadow ingredients something which which adds a third dimension so things like bitters would fall into that um the campari in your your favourite Negroni, for example, would mm. act as a, as a modifier as well as a sweetener in the drink. And so, yep. I've bought I've bought some uh, um, ingredients which act in that kind of aspect. 
Jolly good. So, um, uh, uh, despite your protestations, are you going to make me a Valentine cocktail? Of course I am. So, what are you going to make me to start with? So, I'm going to start, I'm going to take you through my favourite cocktail in the world. Like the the king of all rum cocktails, the daiquiri. But I'm going to make a a slight twist on it. I'm going to do a dry daiquiri with just a small amount of Aperol. So, this is my concession to Valentine's. It's going to make it slightly pink. Yep. Um, it's actually also going to add a little bit of rhubarb um bitter depth to it as well. And so um, that's, my, that's my concession to Valentine's Day while also talking about my beloved daiquiri. So if you'd like to take your headphones off, uh, we'll, be, we'll be hearing you in the background. Uh, I reckon this will probably take about a minute for you to do this. Uh, Paul's wearing an apron. Uh, he's uh, it's a pretty posh apron, I have to say. It's not like one of my mum's. Um, and he's now in the background doing that. Favourite cocktail for you? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned man. Yes, I remember that now. That's whiskey-based, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I think you know. Do you know is it, what's interesting? I think about the cocktail world is that actually, we you know when you think how much kind of hardcore cooking goes on at home in terms of people, you know, I mean, even making their own cheeses. We had someone the other week yeah. on making their own toothpaste. You know, you actually kind of like yeah. the whole DIY movement is big. You know, people pickle a lot. There's all this kind of stuff. But actually, um, what's interesting to me is that. People don't make as many cocktails as you might think. I think it's only 9% of the UK regularly make cocktails at home. And, and that includes a gin and tonic, you know. But that's that's bizarre because actually, well, maybe it's not. They're so expensive when you go out. But but I guess making sure you've got a bottle of Campari, a bottle of gin, a bottle of... You know, that's expensive. Maybe that's why it's not happening, having those base ingredients just I, in your cupboard. But it's interesting, isn't it? You know, if you take the sort of the entertainment moment, you know, so mm. people invite friends around for dinner... They're, they're doing something different. They're kind of, they're, you know, they're trying to, I mean, I'm not going to use the phrase show off. Actually, you know, what you serve as your first drink is actually one of those first moments. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, actually, oh, one It used level, to be champagne, but more and more it's, it's an amazing gin or a Prosecco, and, and that's broadening a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's where I think the opportunity lies. Mm. Do you um, do you do cocktails at home? I don't do cocktails. I do have, I'm very proud of my um, spirit collection, but I don't have the confidence. I just think look there at is them, a, your spirits. Or do I you just look at them, yeah. Gorgeous <laughs> packaging. Well, I do, well, when I want they to drink... They arrive in the office, don't you, and then you take them home. Well, exactly, yeah. Can't, can't, can't complain. Um, but I, if I want to drink, if I'm having people around, I have, I always have really good gin or vodka or whatever. Um, always have some good mixers, kind of premium artisanal mixers. And so I just do a gin and tonic, um, which is lazy. But I think there is an element of confidence involved in making cocktails at home. Here we go. There's a bit of shaking going on in the background now. What about what about the white port and tonic? White port and tonic. Isn't that what your auntie used to have? You, know, you, know, I, you, you I, go around and your 80-year-old auntie's sitting in a chair and she has white port. Do they, is that still around then? It, it, I haven't it seen I mean, that I, I, It's so good. It's, yeah. such a, it's such a clean summer drink, actually. Um, and it, it, I mean, the, the, the white port brings a lot to the party. White port and tonic. I, I think I had one last night, actually. It was rather good. Is it? I think I've tried it once in Lisbon. Yes, that, that they, exactly. They drink yes. a lot in Portugal. And that was very good. Mm. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a go. I think the first time I had it was in was weirdly in a bar in Manchester, and then and then I had it when I was in Portugal. Yeah. And I'm like, this is why don't we drink more of this? Because it's yeah. it's a really there you go, Sue. That's unique. So your new drink can be a white port and tonic. No, it's all right. Uh, I think I missed that one. So Paul, um, thank you very much. We've got three uh, lovely glasses here. Uh, this is a dry daiquiri. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, and it's. Uh, 
plantation rum. It's plantation three styles white rum, just a very crisp, clean, short on a palate, aperitif style rum that's soured with fresh lime, sweetened uh, with um, some sugar syrup, and then a, a small of... amount of bar- aperol just to give you a a pink complexion, but the sort of rhubarb and bitterness. And if you're if you're making a cocktail, um, I, I quite often see this. Um, you know, sort of sour and sweet thing going together. Yeah. So here you've got lime and a little bit of sugar syrup. Yeah. I see that quite a lot. And and is that what you say by a modifier? You, you know, you'll have a, a base spirit and then you've got this sort of bit, a little bit of sweet and sour going around the edges as well. The sweet and sour, um, put it into a cooking context, it's more like building a roux. It's about building um, oh, a, a building a oh, foundation oh. stone on which Ow. the rest of the flavours can interrelate and play with. Um, and so sweet and sour, you'll see... The exceptions to that would be things like martini, for example, but but in pretty much every cocktail is is a base spirit that's complemented by the right sweet and sour base, and then modified. And of course, the thing that always everyone forgets about cocktails is water. Of course, is an active ingredient. Mm. That shaking you heard was me diluting it as much as marrying ingredients. You see, you see, the funny thing is, so Holly, you said, you know, I don't have the confidence to make mm. it now. No disrespect. Yeah. You know, you were up there for a minute. Yeah. Just a menu. Right? Like and you actually, would... it's just it is it, it's assembly. Cooking I mean, it's assembly. Yeah. yeah. And yes, there are obviously. Crazy cocktail makers yep. who are using, you know, sous vide, you know, essences mm-hmm. of stuff. There's a whole kind of, you know, you know world of, of crazy cocktail yep. stuff. But actually, everything you've put in that is three ingredients commonly available. It's um, it's very, very easy. And to you make. just measure. Yeah, I mean, you exactly. just literally yeah, measure. Stick, stick to a formula, and it doesn't. Maybe you don't that's need... it. Maybe rather than just chucking whatever into a glass and measurements Measure. changing as the night goes on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Well, treat we, 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 treat at, it like a recipe. At Trailer Happiness, we, we free pour test our bartenders at the start of the night and it's their job to, while they're free pouring to manage that. The difficulty, of course, is when your metabolism starts going up and your heart rate's going up and the bar's full and the music's pounding. It's keeping that notion, that sort of balance in your head and the, the timing in your head. That's, that's the skill. That's what really separates... What did you think of that then? I think that's lovely. I mean, what's, uh, for me, one of the... This can sound like an alcoholic. One of the problems with cocktails is that um, you often can only have two. It's, you know, because they become quite sickly and they can be sort of too um, too much. But actually, you know, I don't think this is <laughs> one of those. You know, they're up at, you know, I went to, you all know, um, uh, 69 Colbert Row. Oh, yeah. I think it's an amazing cocktail Fantastic. bar. Yes. Well, but they're all... They're, some of those cocktail bars do present cocktails that are like main courses yes. and actually you yeah, kind like of food though and that's too much for me exactly and you know when you've got cream and I don't know no, it's not it's more, food. more that each one is so kind of like big, big. and sophisticated right. kind of like okay that was great those two now I need to kind of decompress mm. mm-hmm. but that's, that's that's really rather too drinkable that's so it's it's a, a very nice pink looking it's a sort of pink blush um, and it has got, as you say, a, a sort of floral. It's got a little bit of a floral yeah. edge on that. It's designed, it? this, this is very much a cocktail that falls into the aperitif style families. And oh. so I spoke about the diverse world of rum. You can make a daiquiri with any one of the rums, but a, a, a quintessential daiquiri demands a short on the palate white rum. So this is where a Bacardi, a Havana Club, mm. a Plantation Three Stars really come into their own. Something that's explodes on your palate like a little firework, but dissipates very rapidly, and so therefore falls into that aperitif style, mm. mouth-watering, digestive mm. juices flowing type occasion. You're going to make us one more? I will indeed. Okay. So are you going to use my one of my favourite um, brands of yours, Kochi? Ooh, Kochi. Is that how you pronounce it, Kochi? Right. Yeah, mm. Kochi. It's not, it's not one of ours, but is, um, is I'm, not? I'm oh. a huge fan. We look after Citadel Gin. This is the gin that's producing the cognac stills. Um, and it's a, 
it's a big, um, uh, quite p- uh, pungent um, juniper, but balanced against um, citrus notes. And then we use a number of different, quite common in the world of gin botanicals that add exotic spices to it. Everything from your cinnamon to your cardamom to grains of paradise. These sort of wonderful. I just think martinis massively, massively. Well, not sorry, martini vermouth is massively, massively underrated. I could. It needs to be the next thing because actually there's as many botanicals. Yes. Uh, but it's a it's a wine base as opposed to spirit. So you're drinking. 15, 16, 17% as opposed to 40%. And I don't understand why vermouth isn't as big as gin. Well, I, I hate to say I just it, it has been. Like this year, that particularly I've seen on cocktail menus in January that this no and low alcoholic cocktails, instead of being a buried at the back of the cocktail recipe and really it was just a blend of juices mm. that now cocktail bartenders are spending a great deal of attention in trying to do low alcohol cocktails to embrace um, those people who want to drink in moderation. I still get that and great th- taste but it doesn't have to be thing. 40%. There are new products like Seed Lip um, Oh, which, oh God! I know. I just don't like it. I'm not here to advertise it, but um, I don't like it. But so. but th- what what they are is what they are is highlighting the market. It's got a horrible edge to it. They're highlighting there is a market there, and and the the, the the void that's been created by the the big money backed seed mm. lip. Um, a lot of other brands are starting to fill into, and which so, they should. Oh, yeah, and so there's some craft producers. Um, Willie Borrow up at Ladies and Gentlemen's and a bar in um, Kentish Town has just created his own kind of um, uh, no alcohol distilled products and they're really really tasty mm, I good. forget the name I'm so, doing them a disservice so um, you're going to make us another one I am I'm going to make you a twist on a martini now and, <gasps> so, and to, to but to buy into your life of uh, your love of mar- vermouth I'm going to do a very very wet martini okay so so Churchill famously had his martinis and just waved the French vermouth in the direction of the gin bottle um, he, he didn't want any vermouth spoiling his what is in essence just cold gin but I'm going to do an equal measure of the gin with it. Um, sorry, two, uh, two parts gin and one part vermouth and wow. do something that's a lot more punching. Is that what's called a gin and it? Yeah, that's what it could be, yes. I think that's an old-fashioned name that's for it. Exactly right, gin yeah. and it being gin and Italian. So um, go, go on then, Paul. Go, get, get cracking. Um, do you like vermouth? Or do, it's, not I, yeah, it's not something I spend a lot of time with. Hmm. But, but, but I mean, I, I know it's one of those things that, you know, you certainly have always been a believer in and... Hmm. Look, it's one of those things... Just, just just the botanical thing. So you, you, you can have, you know, the most amazing, you know, lavender or, or, or you know, spices and herbs. Should we, and, can, we, can we try the vermouth weird. just straight? Of course you can. Just to yeah. sort of actually, because Sue, Sue, is, Sue is definitely on for, for okay. digging in. So I know you don't believe me. Thank you, Paul. So this is the Kochi one. I, this isn't the one, isn't the one I have. This is the rosa. So that's um, more of a, a rosé as opposed to their red one. Now, we could drink this neat. Don't forget if you're listening and you're, you know, drink sensibly. Are we supposed to stay soft like that just to protect me from lawsuits? Um, Don't do this while you're driving. Exactly. Um, So this is a 16.5% and... um, Yeah, it's just like gin for me in that that it should have the most amazing set of botanicals in there. I'm handing Holly the entire bottle. <clears throat> yeah, I don't have a glass. So. But I love that. I love that Italian sourness that you get. God, that is drinkable, isn't it? So if you had a, if you had the, you know, red martini, it's just got no taste for me. Whereas this is, this is really. That is. Lovely. It's, it's very long, isn't it? Mm. So you, you didn't know about that. No, that's a very, that's a very lovely drink, actually. Just on its own with some. But actually, yes, with some. With a, you could with put tonic in that, and if you think, if you think gin and tonic, you know, gin's forty 
16.5%. This is 16.5%. So this anatomic is a pretty nice long drink that's not that alcoholic. Hey, listen, I, I, I think this is a great programme. <laughs> I think this is, you know, this is heading exactly the right direction, you know. What, what I really like is, um, is there's... there's Sue's, Sue's trying to keep it together. There's, She's there's, downing large quantities. There's you, me and Holly, right? So we've got a day job. We're in the office all day and, we, you know, there's loads going on. And um, we try and make space to do these programmes each week. And uh, we just love it, don't we? We do. But but this, <laughs> but this is a really good example. Like I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about the... the areas within the um the food space and drink space where there is opportunities for innovation and you know is there opportunities for innovation in the world of gin not probably really. but it's pretty crowded it's, it's going to be really difficult to to to, to break through i think yeah. now in the gin uh, world oh my god we've got another one coming up amazing holly where you'd you haven't finished your daiquiri yet. No, I haven't. I, I really, you need to really, really like focus. that. You're not trying. Do you like that? Should I? Do you like? Do you like that? I do. But I'm um I'm a sour girl. Um, I really like my kind of pisco sours and stuff. So, so have you tried this? I have. I've got, yeah. Do you I've like it as well? I really like it. And it's actually it's an education because for me, this is a dreadful thing to say, but vermouth is the thing that Nigella Lawson sometimes uses in recipes in place of other kind of white wine or something. That's what I I. I don't know whether it's a me being a 30-year-old thing, but I just, I don't feel like I know anything about vermouth. So maybe it's an educational thing that's needed um, about it as well. I like it because it's got that slight sour, I don't know how to explain it. It's not sour, it's slightly bitterness, which I very much associate with With it. But also Mm. Negroni. I mean, on one level, it has the same flavour profile as a Negroni. Mm. Yes, it does. I could absolutely drink that with ice. Yeah, very, very lovely. It's lovely. But if yeah. you said to somebody, can I have a vermouth with ice? They'd just laugh at you. It's, just, it's not fashionable. They wouldn't even know what you're talking about, probably. Which I don't understand. It's not expensive either, because it's wine-based. That's very nice. Mm. There we go. There's another bottle adding to my cupboard. Paul, thank you. Now, yeah. so, um well, You must come back again. We, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> Do you come good. back you, each week? You could actually be like, this week, Paul's cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the cocktail of today, Paul. This will get us through our radio show. Very relaxed, in a very relaxed way. So you've mixed us another one, which is very much the same colour, actually, but but much more um, opaque. Uh, much it's a beautiful pink. I presume we're going down the Valentine yeah, route. Yeah, I'll admit. Uh, we've got a little bit of, uh, is that lemon? Lemon zest. Lemon yep. zest And I sprayed the essential oils from the lemon over the glass. It's a high ter- terpene content in the, in and, the and um, what, what is this one zest. then? This is a rose martini? Yeah, rose martini. So it's okay. just a double measure of gin, 25 ml of the Cochi Rosa, stirred down, make it very, very cold. You could add a dash of bitters to that, um, to particularly something like a pecho bitters would... Give that quite a lovely depth. What's, what's Peixot bitters? Peixot bitters is just, it's just um, a, a, a brand of bitters, so it's botanicals steeped in alcohol, to keep it really simple, um, that designed to give a, a depth and complexity. Is that a, that a, a nod of the head? Sue so, so is currently flying. <laughs> if you can imagine the studio at the moment, about three of us are floating on top of the, you know, the, the, the you know, yeah, you okay? Yeah, that's so good. Was that good? Is that good? Yeah. It's a really, really tasty drink. So, how did you get into the world of cocktail making? <laughs> so, so, I. <laughs> Sorry. So I um I was a qualified primary school teacher. I started working in the spirits well, that's, industry. That's something that will drive you to drink. After shunning, you're absolutely right. After shunning the world of teaching, and I and I fell in love with rum. The whole community, the the, the lifestyle of rum, and then started teaching people about rum. Yeah, there um, we go. So, so we've just been joined by our other guest. Do you mind just moving along Make a bit room. there? there. Um, uh, we've just been joined by um, Pippa Murray of Pippa Nut. Hi, Pippa. I've seen you for ages. I know. 
Last time you were here, do you remember last time you were here, you couldn't believe your luck in that we had those lovely people from uh, who make Rock Rose Gin. So Pippa came along to talk about peanut butter. She's a very busy lady. I think it was 11 o'clock in the morning. We were drinking vodka. <laughs> yeah, Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Just by coincidence. I think it was straight as well. It wasn't it was. even with any mixer. Just by coincidence, you've come into a programme where we're, we're, we're sampling cocktails. Yeah, you're, you're giving me te- something. Can we tempt you? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's okay. afternoon, so yeah, exactly. definitely. So, so um, Paul's here. Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you? Lovely to meet you. <laughs> and uh, Paul's from Maison Ferrand Distillery, which mm-hmm. are Cognac, cognac House. Mm. Um, and we've just, we're just, um, what are we on now? I've forgotten, there's so many lovely ones. <laughs> I'm losing the, I'm losing the plot here. So, 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 with the uh, vermouth, of yeah. plushy rose of vermouth. When this radio programme finishes, you want to hand me the sort of the, the thing you read from at the end to say what happened. <laughs> yeah, because I won't be able to do it. Because I'm concerned that, you know. So I'm just going to, I'm going to share my thing with you. Um, could you just talk through this again a little bit? Um, so we've taken a, um, a gin, which is very juniper forward. It's not always it's, the case with a lot of gin now. It has um, got a big whack of juniper exactly, in there. Exactly. It's a big whack of juniper supported by citrus. So we use a lot of lemon, mm. orange peel and cardamom. You get an awful lot of cardamom seeds. You get an awful lot of a citrus from lots of exotic spices. And it marries quite well. All I've done is stir it down over ice with some um, mm. rose of vermouth. And it's some lemon zest smooth, on top. It's smooth, isn't it? It's yeah. beautiful. Dangerously so, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not almost, sweet though. No, it's, sweet. It it's, good. it's not sickly at all. No, it's very good. Good news is there seems to be more of them coming. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, as this is going out on Valentine's Day, have you got time to just do one more? I've got time to do one more, yeah. Well, so we'll talk to uh, we'll, we'll talk to Pippa while you're doing that. What are you going to make us now? I'm going to make you a classic sidecar. So this is a, a this is a grown up drink for grown ups in love. There's I've no 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 concession. Grown ups in love. Well, well, it's Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Or, so. or people who are alone and really need a drink. <laughs> and really need to get hammered, yes. <laughs> obviously, we wouldn't have responsibly. Or, or responsibly. We would not advocate anybody really getting hammered, dad. obviously, right. and do this it responsibly. So much. Um, so this is called a sidecar. It's do you know classic, what? I don't think I've heard of sidecar. Classic drink created in Paris. It's um, uh, uh, arguably the best way to exhibit um, cognac. So it's cognac. Um, an old, I'm going to use an old-style Curacao. So that's orange liqueur that uses the orange from the island of Curacao off the north coast of Venezuela. Very bitter, shriveled oranges they planted because of the humidity out in that part of the world. And so you get a very super intense um, orange aspect to it. And then we'll balance that up with some lemon. Um, and uh, shake that, give it some depth. We, sh- we should have given in the challenge to come up with a cocktail that included peanut butter, peanut shouldn't butter. we? Yeah. Have you got have any you got in one? your repertoire? D- uh, well, as soon as you start using peanut butter, because of the mouthful, it's, it's, it's not an easy ingredient to use. Yeah. Uh, try, uh, when the whole point of cocktails is to try and get something where you harmonise ingredients and they taste greater than some of the parts, and some of the, the joy of peanut butter is anything you put peanut butter in, Tastes like peanut butter. Yeah, it's so overpowering. From start to finish. <laughs> so the peanut butter vodka could be the only way to go, really. Or smoothies and um, yeah. like down that kind the of road. Amaretti kind of. You see. Yeah. So there we go. Go on then, Paul. You get cracking. There you go. Thank we'll you so much. We'll bring the peanut much. butter and you can knock up the yeah. Amaretti cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Pippa, in terms of um, peanut butter... I know that some of the things you'll be doing is trying to look at recipes and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to find other uses other than just spreading it on toast cocktails you should be thinking about that I know I you feel like working it with Paul. the adult market pretty well um, you should be working with Paul and going like come up with a cocktail 100% and I feel on, like that would be a great a, thing to develop with you on the back of a pip and nut yeah. you know package Get on the it'd be menu. amazing it'd yeah. be so funny it'd be brilliant Different, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how's it going since we last saw you about two years ago yeah I mean it is going really well actually um, I actually can't believe it's been two years it's gone that quickly mm. so we've 
probably since I spoke to you, we've, we've launched with quite a few new retailers. Um, we've also launched lots of delicious new flavours. Our, our most recent one, which I've got with me, um, is a chocolate orange almond butter, So, which was particularly popular at Christmas. Um, people kind of used it as a bit of a stocking filler. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of our limited editions, so it always seems to go down pretty well. Um, and generally, you know, right now, obviously this is going out in February, but right now it's sort of healthy January, which for us is quite a big big moment um lots of people choosing healthier options at the moment and nut butter is one of those kind of high on the shopping list for a lot of people who are looking to kind of have something a bit more nutritious but it, the protein thing because it, it feels exactly. like you know you've, you've really shaken up the category mm. and actually there's been kind of um a lot of you hear the ice being crumbled yeah, in the it's background good that, i like that though. it's good isn't it it's like this sort of you know um this is you know, real real sound effects you know you've shaken up the category are you seeing more and more kind of competition from you know pips of you know five years ago equivalent, <laughs> joining the category and, and starting to to challenge yeah definitely i think um i've certainly noticed a lot more competitors kind of creeping in forgive me just one no, second you must hey. never be forgiven for that sound <laughs> he does it with such a smile as well which i love <laughs> It's the enthusiasm Paul has. Exactly. It. I love the <laughs> That's why we're having was a weekly slot from that point. <laughs> yeah, just aperitifs all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen lots more people kind of enter the, into sort of our space, which in in so many ways is is quite good. It, firstly, I guess it in some ways keeps us on our toes, make sure that we keep bringing out new and exciting things. Um, but also, I just think it's good that you know more kind of marketing and more brands are getting into this area because it kind of raises the profile of it more people are talking about it um, so it's a whole category people joining into that i mean talking to john stapleton of um covent garden soup yeah, company yeah. it's the same thing when, when he started all of a sudden everybody started piling in mm. you know delivering soups in a carton which was unheard of at the time but actually he said we embraced that because actually what it meant was that more people thought that then having soup in a carton was okay yeah exactly. and you've just got to not sort of button down the hatches but actually really you know take that on and 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 you know that other people are being driven in into that category so yeah. you've got to stay agile though yeah and especially because all our products are natural so we don't put palm oil in um and so most of the new brands coming out are also following that similar trend and i guess the difference for people picking up our products is that they'll notice that we've got some oil on the top of it top of uh, the products which you have to stir back in um, and for us it's a good thing it shows it's natural and, and it, more brands are appearing that are also natural and I think <coughs> from a shopper kind of consumer perspective Thanks, Paul. thank you um, it's becoming the new normal and I think that's a really positive thing for and that um, helps you because sometimes people didn't really understand um, the you know the fact that that's okay and it's a good mm, sign yeah, and, and, exactly. and other people doing that's helping you isn't it yeah exactly mm. So, uh, Paul, uh, tell us what we've got this time. So here's your sidecar. It's a very simple drink. You'll notice for all of these, I haven't used more than three ingredients. And so this is just um, cognac. So Grand Champagne cognac, Pierre Front cognac. Oh, wow. um, it's our 1840. It's a recreation of a <laughs> cognac pre phylloxera. <laughs> Oh, I'm in my own world now. Your face. I'm so happy. <laughs> You've got three drinks around. So each, each cocktail is really simple. Ooh. It's two measures of cognac, one measure of curacao, and one measure of fresh lemon juice, just shaken, and uh, maybe a tiny little bit of sugar syrup um, mm. or a teaspoon of sugar. That's it's lovely. Really lovely. nice sort of lemon edge for mm. me. Yeah, super fruity. 
I've zested a lemon over the top as well, just to accentuate mm. all We should have, honestly have them as a regular slot. Mm. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, I can't. It's a slippery you can, slope. You can. I can't. <laughs> you know, I we, just can't. We're trying to, you know, drive the food and drink world and, you know, we can have different people on different weeks, you know. And, and... In a hot flush. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a high bar, though, I say, these cocktails. They're good, aren't they? I'm glad you like them. What have you got on after this? You haven't got anything important? No, no. Operating heavy machinery. No, operating heavy machinery. That's good. Cancel my plans. Okay, so we've had a a rose martini, um, uh, which was the vermouth and the gin. Uh, We had a dry daiquiri, which was the sort of uh, Aperol and rum. And now we've just had a sidecar, which I must admit I didn't know about. Cognac and a sort of, you know, orangey. Holly, what's your favourite out of, you know, your taste profile that you really like? Oh, goodness. You're going to have to make some of these at home now and not say that you can't do them. I'm going to have them. to. Well, if they're mm. three ingredients, then I don't have an it's excuse, hard, do I? It? Just meeting nine bottles of spirits. That's fine. I have <laughs> way too many. Um, I, I can't choose. You can't choose it. I'm sorry. They're all they're, very different. They're, they're, very they're all nice very nice in their own way. All very mm. good. And they all have a note of kind of bitterness and sourness, yeah. which is what I look for. So mm. I'm a happy girl. Mm. I, I I love martinis, proper martinis. So for me, the, the, the you know the gin and the vermouth, which is my favourite anyway, I really yeah. liked a lot. Thank you. Well, that's the key. It's just getting good vermouth, but it's getting the right gin. And in the world of gin, it's looking for something which is citrusy and junipery, like citadel yeah. gin. Citadel gin. So we're, 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 I'm going to return us away from the cocktails and back back to the world <laughs> world of, um, of of pip and nut. So so what, tell us what your favourite is before you do that. They gone. I think the last one actually. You like the last one. I thought you might like that. When you said you were an old-fashioned drinker, then Cognac. you like the depth you're going to get from yeah. cognacs. I think, I think they're all... I, I agree with what Holly said, which is too often there are a lot of bad, sweet cocktails. Yes. And actually, these are all sophisticated, you know, interesting flavours. That mm. as <laughs> can we have the say, air conditioning on in the studio? More than one. <laughs> can we have the air conditioning on? Because it's not very hot. <laughs> Sue, when Sue passes out, listen, if we cut out in this programme, it means Sue's passed out and we're yeah. having to feed her water. Yeah. Um, um, right, so let's go to peanut butter. Let's go to peanut butter. So, so where are you focusing on now? I mean, obviously you've got, you know, many years behind you now and, mm. and you know, lots of listings. So what's the, what's the focus now? Yeah, I mean, I guess we're now in our... We're, just four years old now so we had our fourth birthday a few um a few weeks ago um so in some ways i agree like we we kind of got our feet under the table um people know of us and you know that's a great place to be in from a brand you know you feel a bit more like stable as a business um but in other ways i feel like we're only just getting going when we kind of think about you know, we've got a really core group of um, people that love our brand. Um, you know, we naturally appeal to people that are slightly more health conscious, um, foodies and that and that kind of crowd. But there's so many people that we haven't yet spoken to. Um, and for us, you know, there's um, the exciting thing, I think that's within the category is what you mentioned earlier, is that people are shifting their behaviours quite a lot. And actually, for us, we want to really champion that. And so a lot of our focus is at the moment about how we kind of tell people about our products but also inspire them so uh, we're building up at the moment to a large pancake day campaign that we'll be running um, which is a fun fun moment for us where we'll be engaging with lots of different kind of influences to really kind of bring this to life and 
you know, for us, it's a, a nice moment because obviously it's an existing kind of time where people are going to be, you know, indulging a little bit, trying new things um, to top their pancakes with. And for us, it's a nice moment to be able to kind of introduce our brand into the mix of that. But you've always you've always looked at um, events and experiences mm. and, and used experiential marketing. Yeah. Loads of people have gone down the social media route and all that. Sort of, and, and of course you do that, I know. Yeah. But you've always gone out there all mm. the time and you're still doing it yeah I mean I love um experiential as a kind of way of kind of bringing your brand to life because particularly a brand like Pippin it's quite an emotive brand very playful I think people find a lot of joy within it when you even mm. just kind of pick up the products it's you know it's meant to be fun like we're not there to kind of talk to people on a functional level <laughs> you're just Sue, choos- Sue's, choosing Sue's the crowd drink. Yeah, <laughs> sorry I was just drinking more of my martini yeah <laughs> I love that um, to distract you <laughs> no it's fine um so I think you know for me experience it's a great way to kind of get face to face with people and actually tell people um, about your products and why it's so brilliant. But you know, for instance, last summer we did um, we went very big at Taste of London, which is an amazing event in Hyde Park, uh, just around the corner from here. And we had this massive crate or, or container, sorry, that we'd um, transformed into a little hutch, um, and we were serving kind of. Uh, a, a partnership that we've done with a kind of dairy-free um, ice cream brand, a kind of nut butter topped, nut butter ice cream, delicious uh, kind of concoction of um, flavour that we were serving out to people. And it was, you know, we could have just put it on a cracker and sent it out there and people would have really enjoyed it. But there's something really memorable about that moment. And I think it's about how you kind of can deliver something more distinctive than, you know other people around you and I don't know about you but you kind of you know the food and drink space gets more and more crowded every year you really have to keep pushing forwards to be able to kind of surprise and delight people because ultimately but it might sound extraordinary that that now you're a multi-million pound turnover company yeah still a really important marketing tactic for you is Mm. to go out actually meet people talk to people show people what they can do and then the knock-on effect, the, the word-of-mouth effect of that is still massive. Yeah. Uh, even though you might, uh, I don't know, uh, in, you know, employ an advertising agency and do loads of ads, mm. surely the, the the passion and the loyalty that you're managing to get for your brand is because you're out there uh, yeah. face-to-face. And, and, you know, a lot of business owners would think that that's, well, I'm too big to do that now and that's not going to have much but, effect, but it still does, you know. But the mm. difficulty is, and, you know, we work with lots of brands, sort of the Bella Zoo size, and yeah. we're kind of like, you know, absolutely do that stuff. But the difficulty is, I think, for, for business owners is, is actually after a while it becomes completely impossible mm. because you cannot be at all these events. And actually, I think that often people don't do a proper return on investment analysis yeah. of these events True. because when you take... The amount of people time, the amount mm. of, you know, actual management time, when you actually do all the stuff, everyone's there all the time. You know, things like Taste of London are really important because it's not just about the 50,000 people who visit, it's about all the influencers who are there in yeah. terms of the buyers and all that kind of stuff. And it's almost like you have to be there to be part of the conversation. But the question, I think, is then how do you get scale? And I think what's interesting is that next stage of the journey of, you know, even the fever trees of this world are only bought by 9% of the UK. Mm-hmm. And how you, you know, it's a billion pound, it's not billion, it's, it's got an valuation. <laughs> Another and, drink. And, and, and actually the, the challenge I think is how you get that kind of that next level of scale mm. because you can't do it face to face. It's mm. not possible. Um, you've got to But you're still it. doing that though, Pippa. Yeah, I, I, I actually totally do agree with you. Like, um, sort of over the next sort of six months or so, we'll start to dip our toe into some of the um, slightly more commercial bits of marketing that are slightly 
less touchy-feely, like a kind of experiential Taste of London event. Um, I think it's always about that balance, though. Um, and I think what you kind of mentioned there earlier about how you choose events that really fit your core market, but who have all those influences. If you can make those moments, um, I hate to say this word, but Instagrammable in, in, and, and so that it's amplified outside of that, even just that, you know, field that you're standing in in that one moment, um, that's how you get more traction. And I think it is about creating a buzz around it. And so, yes, it's that balance of at some point we're going to have to do just regular adverts that sit outside stores and people see our brand and a pack shot and a nice bit of copy that catches people's eye. But I think, you know, don't want to forget our roots. And actually with our products, and probably very similar to yours, is that you, you know, taste is one of the things that really converts people. Mm. And if you can convert them and then get them to talk about it, word of mouth is, I think, second or third in terms of how people normally hear about our brand. And I think, especially since we're born in like the digital age, yeah. I think it's still going to be a really important part of that. But yeah, I think, you know, it's undeniable when you start to sell into the likes of someone like Tesco, um, you you kind of have to start thinking, right, let's go a little bit louder and bigger with our, or wider, I guess, with our marketing. Well, I think you do the, the <clears> challenge <throat> then, and I'm really sorry, you're going to have to finish this program in a minute. Uh, the challenge I'm then is keeping hold of the culture and the brand and the quirkiness. Totally, yeah. That's, your, that's your challenge, <laughs> yeah. holding on to that as yeah. it gets bigger and Absolutely. making sure, because that's what people buy, but it's very easy to lose that once it's, mm. once, you know, once you go mainstream. And we've talked about stores also kind of, I think it's also a really important time to, almost double down on really understanding what are you about and what are the things that, you know, because look at any business's journey, you start from a place and you get to a certain scale, you need to choose. You can't or you can't hold on to everything. Mm. And you've got to work out what are the defining elements of the brand that actually mm. allow you to reach that next stage of evolution. And some brands don't want to reach that next stage of evolution and yeah. are happy being, you know, produced yeah. in a certain way and done that way. But if you do want to kind of take that leap to that next stage, you have to make certain changes. Mm. I'm going to end there. I have to. What you mean is you're going to begin there. The cocktail's now <laughs> just going to flow. No, no, no. Sort of, no. no, no, no. You want me to read this for you? No, I, think I can I put can my man- glasses on. I can manage. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, we're, we're here for you, Sue. Thank you so much to um, Pippa, or, uh, Pippa Murray, Pippa Nut. Thank I know you're so me. busy now. No, I mean, I'm so, so sorry excited. I was late. It's I mean, so I missed exciting. the party. I'm so annoyed. Well, you came in on Taylor, and that's fine. <laughs> um, and Paul, it's been so kind of you to come uh, and, and make us some cocktails. It's really good of you. Thank you so much. Um, so it's Paul McFadgian of Maison Ferrand Distillery. You'll Thank see him you. next week. <laughs> and every week after that but thank you so much and uh, Kochi is one of my favourite vermouths anyway so well done for bringing that um, and uh, if you want to know any more about uh, about that then you need to go onto the website is that okay? Yep. yep and we'll obviously have a link from our Food Talk uh, website but it's maisonferrand.com Fantastic, and if you do slash Ian, you'll get it in English, not in French. Which would really help. <laughs> Which would help tremendously <laughs> for me. Anyway, um, yes, so you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. As you know, we're on lots of different radio stations across the UK and further afield. You can stop laughing at me, Ollie, please. And you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes, Stitcher. 
Player FM, Spotify and the podcast app on your phone, as well as the wonderful Great British Chefs website. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. I hate you. I hate you so much, Ollie. I can't tell you. And um, Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. You're At least you're well behaved. Of course, always. <laughs> Thank this, you this so much. double, actually. Mm. If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds, um, even uh, Pippa Murray from two years ago is probably still up there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, dig back. Uh, yeah, d- dig back there. Um, please go to foodtalk.co.uk. I managed to get through this. Have a good week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.